Um, this morning we're starting a new series. You might have seen the, the, the video that we, we put out sort of uh, to give you a bit of a, a feel for what we're going to be talking about. Um, God's given me quite a lot that he wants to say on this because um, I think in many ways as believers we tend to go up and down with what's going on in our life. And the truth is that the, the gospel and the, uh, the salvation Christ has given us and the authority he's given us doesn't go up and down. It's constant. And one of the things that the enemy tries to do in our life is to get us to go up and down and relate to God on the basis of what's happening in our life. And if he can get us to do that and relate to him on the basis of what's happening in our life, then he can get us all over the spot and he can disable the body of Christ. Now, sadly, when we approach God on the basis of how much God wants to bless us and we, our, our relationship with God solely hangs around how well things are going and, and, you know, things are going well, I'm good with God. If they're not going so well, I'm not so good with God and I just won't bother going to church this week and I can't be bothered to do this. And, yeah, well, God's, I'm feeling really like I'm not with it with God. If we're going up and down all the time with God like that, it's not a sign of health. But it is a sign of immaturity. An immaturity in our understanding of what's in play here. And, and I think um, probably more than at any time in my life, the body of Christ is not battle-ready. We are not battle-ready. We are not engaged in battle. We are going to God to get something, and that's the way we relate to God. But we are not battle-ready in a way that we're actually on a battlefield right now. And because of that, we enjoy ourselves in the trenches, but we never put our head over the top and go over the top and go out and fight. And as long as the enemy can keep us that way, we will be ineffective, unfruitful, but also we'll be messed around in our walk with God. So it's, I have to say, you've got to hand it to him. It's a brilliant tactic, isn't it? Now, he's not really very creative. I don't know if you know about that, but God's got the handle on creation and the enemy doesn't. So there isn't any new ideas around here. He's been doing the same thing for 2,000 years. Uh, if you go to Ephesians 6.12... And I'm going, to be, uh, I'm going to be talking from the Amplified this morning, so you won't necessarily be able to uh, follow exactly what I'm reading, but you, you can go with it. How, how many of you... The Amplified is a translation of the Bible, but instead of just like translating the words, what it does sometimes is it expands on the words to give you the, an understanding of what the original Greek word meant that we can't convey just in one word in our language. Now, Ephesians 6.12 says this, for our struggle, say my struggle, is not, say is not, against flesh and blood. Like, you don't have to repeat. Contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, 
against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Now, that's, that's in a sense, there's some really bold, simple, straightforward statements. There. It says, we are not fighting flesh and blood. So the issue in whether we win the battle or lose the battle isn't about other people. It's a spiritual battle. It's about recognising the activities of the enemy through other people. The enemy works through people, but the people aren't the issue if we're going to win. It's the enemy, him motivating and playing on other people's weaknesses that is the issue. And when we, when we start to see that, we can see things in a whole different way. So uh, over this, se this series, we're going to look at all sorts of things about how you go through when you're in the heat of the battle. But firstly, we have to recognise that we're in a battle. Because most of us are really naive and we just end up falling out with other people because we don't recognise that it's the enemy that's about. Most people don't set out to fall, with, fall out with other people, and yet we manage it with amazing regularity, even though neither of us set out to do it. And, and the enemy likes it that way when we're believers. Now, let me make this statement right up front. I'm going to keep coming back to this, but the way you win a battle, and the way we win this battle, is to realise what the enemy is up to and respond exactly the opposite of what he's expecting. Realise what he's up to, respond exactly the opposite of what he's expecting. Now, isn't that what Jesus said? You know, like when somebody hits you across the cheek, the enemy is expecting you to smack them in the face with a big bunch of fives. But your response is to turn and give them the other cheek. You do the opposite of what the enemy's trying to do. That's how you win the battles. When people uh, lie about you, you respond in love. When people attack you, you give them. You give them blessing. That's the way we win battles. And so, in order to break this cycle of going up and down in our relationship with God because we're unaware of the enemy... We have to become aware of the enemy and do the opposite of what he's trying to get us to do. It's not enough just to ignore what he's trying to do. You have to do the opposite of what he's trying to get you to do. What would happen today in like your most difficult relationships? How many, you don't have to put your hands up, but I guess we've all got relationships that are more difficult than others. And what would happen today in your most difficult relationships instead of... Um, going home, talking about it for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, up and down, round the circles, all, all over, and this was said, and that was said, and then we'll go, and this was said, and that was said, and you've already said that. And How different, different would it be if we recognised that our issue isn't the flesh and blood, and we prayed and blessed instead? Instead of talking about the issues, how difficult would it be, how much better would it be if we just went and prayed about it? But we're like, yummy, yum, yap, 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 in the kitchen, yap, 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 before you go to bed, yap, 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 yap. And you might not have seen this person for six months, but you're still, yap, 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 they did this, they did that, 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 that. And why not just pray for them? Like, what is wrong with us? Why can't we see that... 
that that issue only has any authority in our life as long as we keep perpetuating it. And if we recognise it's not the person that's the issue, but it's the enemy that's the issue, and this is his game, we respond the opposite. So how much better would that be? That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Now, you go like, but some people just, they did this and they've done this to me and they've done this to me. I have to say there's some people who are dangerous, who aren't very nice. Now, one of the responses that people and believers have to that verse when you say our battle's not against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers and that, they go, yeah, 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 oh yeah. And we go, we spiritualise everything and we, we, we get into all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, I'm sure you're all aware of crazy stuff. Some of you probably doing crazy stuff. You know, and we, and we, we, we try and do things that you, you don't find in the word. But that's not quite what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, that the enemy works on people's weaknesses and people's messes in order to make messes of you. Some people relish in actively participating in helping him because they are big messes and they are dangerous. And, and I'm not saying don't discern that. But what I'm saying is, do discern it, do discern what the enemy's about, and do the opposite of what he wants. It works every time. Now, people will cause you problems because they make bad choices and bad decisions. And this is what God would say to you this morning. You haven't to let... Oh, this is actually be more forceful. I've just... Sorry. He'd say, stop it. Stop letting other people's bad choices mess up your destiny. Stop letting other people's choices mess up your destiny. Because there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of people and 20, 30, 40 years on, they're still not able to move on from something which is somebody else's bad choice and bad mess had nothing to do with them and we have let that steal our life, steal our destiny, steal our peace, steal our emotions, steal our freedom and, and it's got a hold of us. And, and that's what the enemy wants. He's not about you being okay. He's about stealing from you. He's about stealing joy. He's about stealing freedom. He's about stealing love. He's about stealing relationship. And if you can get away with it, he'll kill you into the bargain. That's what he's about. So you don't let other people's bad choices rob you of your destiny. Just let's say that. I am not. From right now forward. Letting other people's bad choices steal my destiny. Amen. Go on, let's, let's make some noise about that. Amen. Yeah, let's have some noise. Right. You see, we need to know there's an enemy at work. And that means we've got to be a bit more spiritually aware than we have been and test the spirits that are, got, that, that are happening in our relationships. You see, one of the things, and you know, like, you kind of think, well, I was sitting writing this, and I was thinking it through, and, and you go, well, I wish I'd known that myself 
five, ten years ago. <laughs> you know, you go like, yeah, I'm going to tell them something now. I wish I'd known earlier. And, and this is what I wish I'd known earlier. That the way we discern spirits is often we can sense something's not right, but we can't put our finger on it. You know, we, we went for, through a period a few years ago where um, things weren't right in faith life. And I tried everything to get things to work. And the more I tried, things didn't work. And I couldn't understand why. And, and I would say one thing, and then, like, a week later, everybody thought I'd said completely the opposite to what I'd said. And you go, like, there was something wrong that you couldn't put your finger on. And, and we need to... You know, you don't want to get to the end of the process and look back and go, oh, that was obvious then. You, you want to be able to discern things as, as you go along. And, and one of the way we can discern things is to, when we think, feel that things, there's just something not right and I can't put my finger on it. What we do is we go to God and go, God, show, us what that, show me what that is. Put, put it in the light so that I don't have to respond the way the enemy's trying to get me to respond. Do you see that? We don't just carry our unease and try and fix it in the natural, which is what I did. What we do is we ask God what's going on and then respond the opposite to what the enemy's trying to do. We don't give the enemy the initiative. And, and to take the initiative away from the enemy, we have to be more discerning and more aware of those senses of unease, take it to God in prayer, and then respond the opposite. So you're going to be responding out of love. You're going to be responding out of confidence that God has got it all in hand. You're going to be responding out of confidence that God's going to provide if you've got to make some hard decisions. But most of the time, the enemy keeps us unaware and off balance. Here's the theme that I'm going to run right through this series. The way you win the battle has three components. Component number one, trust God. This is in every situation in your life. Component number one, trust God. Component number two, do good. Component number three, help as many people as you can. Why are they the components? Because you go like, well, Mark, you needed to come out with something deeply spiritual and I need to intercede for 48 hours and, and, and you know, read my Bible more and pray more and all that sort of stuff. No, we're going to win this battle by doing the opposite of what the enemy wants us to do. And he doesn't want us to trust God. He doesn't want us to do good. And he wants us to be so preoccupied with ourselves that we don't do any help to anybody else. So let's trust God, let's do good, and let's help other people wherever we can. We don't worry about the little details of the battle and all the things that are said here and said there and said that. Trust God, do good, help other people. Because they're the things the enemy wants to stop. In the ups, the downs, trust God, do good, help other people. Whatever's going on, we go, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to do good. I'm going to help other people. I'm determined to do good. I'm determined to help. I'm determined I'm going to trust God. I'm going to get out of the bed this morning and I'm going to trust God. 
And wherever I can, I'm going to do good and I'm going to keep on doing good because I know that if you keep on doing good, you reap in due season. You reap the victory in the thing that the enemy's trying to stop. Amen? Amen. Okay, so you're getting it. Hopefully you're getting it. Let's go to Matthew 16 so we can start to see how some of this works. Matthew chapter 16, uh, I'm going to go to verse 21. Now, this is a really uh, well-known passage and, and I had... In, I, I had included this before Arthur preached on it on, <laughs> and talked about it. But this is, this is Peter. And uh, Jesus has just uh, finished up telling the disciples that he's going to be uh, basically crucified. And this is, what, this is Peter's response. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples clearly that he must go to Jerusalem and do many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and scribes. When it says he told them clearly, that means he, he's telling them this is what's going to happen, guys. And they're going, oh, man. You're like, we don't want that. At the hands of the elders, chief priests, scribes, Sanhedrin, Jewish high court, and be killed and be raised from death to life on the third day. I think it's funny, isn't it? Because the, the, the response that the disciples give, and particularly the response that Peter gives, ignores the last bit that Jesus is going to be raised to life again on the third day. So he tells them that's going to get happen, but they can't get past the arrest and the crucifixion and the brutality of that. And so Peter responds from that place. He says, Peter took him aside to speak to him privately and began to reprimand him. How many of you have reprimanded God recently? <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, Peter? But he, he's, it's coming from his emotions. It's coming from... Something that's gone on in Peter. Now, Peter is going to be a great man. He's going to be like one of the, if not the greatest man, but one of the greatest men in history. But he's not fully formed yet. And, and Peter is responding to this situation from his own fear of what it will be like without Jesus. So he's responding out of fear. And this is what he says. May God forbid it, this must never happen. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Not get behind me, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me because you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Here's my question. What if Jesus had listened to Peter? What if he had? Peter's a really forceful personality. Peter's in your face. What if Jesus had listened to him? Now you go, well, it's Jesus. He doesn't do things like that. Well, Jesus is a man. And when somebody's in your face, you react. So here's my second question. How many people have you listened to that caused you to miss what God had for you? How many people have you listened to that caused you to miss what God has for you? Because you were minding men and not God. And what Jesus is saying is when you're minding men and what they think and what they say is possible and what they say about you, then effectively you're minding Satan. Because he's the motivation that's playing to produce those comments. You see... You know, I can, I can talk from my own experience, but I'm sure a lot of us can. What, 
you know, my mum was like this. And you get this, like, you don't have the gift for that. Why, why don't you just do something that's secure? Why, why don't you, you know, you'll never, you'll never be able to do that. You're not up to that. You, you, you know, and, and then the other things that come in is, you're not as good as that person. If only you could do what they could do, then you would be successful. If only you were like that. If only you were like this, you would be a better husband. If only you were like that, you'd be an amazing wife. If only you did this, if only you did that, and so on, and it goes on and on, and you're not up to it. You'll never make anything of yourself. You'll never be any good. And, and we absorb all that, and we mind men and not God. And what Jesus is saying is when we get in that place, that's a fi- a, just an open field for the enemy to reap havoc in, in our life, in our emotions, in our feelings, in the way we think, and, and, and really just to make a mess of our life. And it's not that those people are trying to be mean. We have to get that. My mum wasn't trying to be mean. She was trying to be loving. But she was trying to be a loving in a way that was coming from the logic and the thinking that the enemy has. And so she thought she was doing a great job and actually she was doing a terrible job that took me years to get past because my mum thought that I'd never be anything better than a guy that sat behind the counter at a bank and that was her aspirations for me. That's like the, the, the height of it. Now, that would have been fantastic, except now I'd be replaced by a machine and redundant. <laughs> but people limit us if we listen to them. And we take the limits off when we listen to God. So don't you listen to people telling you what you can't do. Don't you listen to people telling you what you're not. Don't you believe it when people say you'll never be that or you'll never be able to do that? You see, we as believers, we're supposed to listen to God. And the things that God is saying is he's telling us about who he is and who you are in him and what you can do and that nothing is impossible for you. As long as you stay and you stick with him and stick in, with your eyes on him, that you can do anything above all that you can ask or imagine according to the power that is at work in you. Every single person in this room is meant to be significant and make a difference in other people's lives. And we make a difference in other people's lives by trusting God, doing good and helping other people. That's our mission. That's what we're about. And we can do every single bit of that beyond what we can ask or imagine incredibly fruitful but we're stuck here by being told what we can't be instead of listening to God who tells us who we are and what we are. Yeah. Let me just take you on to another bit where, again, it's Peter. He's like the topic of the weekend, isn't he, really? Let's go to 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober. That is well-balanced and self-disciplined. Okay, so he's reminding you that the believer... He's well-balanced and self-disciplined. And, and what, he's, what he's saying, if you think about it, is if you're not in that place of feeling well-balanced and, and you're in control of things, you've moved out of belief into minding men. Because when we stand in grace, when we stand in that place that 
where we trust in God, we're not out of balance. We're not out of control. He's in control. And we're letting him be in control. Be alert and cautious at all times. See, that enemy of yours, say that enemy, enemy. of mine, mine. isn't a person. person. That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls of... Yeah, you do it, Dad. The the devil. (laughs) Yeah, go on. The devil is doing it. He is, yes. (laughs) That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. I've got a few things to say about this, that he goes around roaring like a lion, but he isn't a lion, and there's only one lion that matters, and that's the lion of Judah, Jesus. Because he's defeated. He's a toothless lion. His claws have been pulled out, and all he can, the best thing he can do is pad you in the face. And lie to you. He's not a lion, but he still needs resisting because he's going to come at you with everything he's got. He's going to lie and he's going to growl and he's going to roar and he's going to try and scare you. And you don't let him. Listen to this. He's going around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So right now, you you determine in your heart, he ain't getting me. He's not going to devour me because this isn't a foregone conclusion. He can't do what he likes. He can't just walk in my life. Right now, whatever noise he makes, however much he roars, I'm going to trust God, do good and help other people. And you aren't getting me. You are not messing my life. It's not the person. It's the enemy behind the person. So you do the opposite of what the situation is showing you that the enemy is doing. Go to Ephesians 4.26. We like this verse. I hear it quoted a lot. Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. I want you to see a few things. Anger is not sin. Keeping your anger going is sin. Anger is just a natural emotion we have. And quite honestly, sometimes we're right to get angry. When the devil's in play, we're always right to get angry. We're always right to get angry when he's there messing people's lives up, making a mess of your life. We're right to get angry. But as far as we relate to each other, we don't let the sun go down on an anger. We don't, let it, we don't perpetuate anger. You see, you have self-control as a gift of your spirit, so you don't have to carry on being angry. Here's a little tip for you I've learned from 30 years of marriage. I've, I've, I've learned a few things in 30 years of marriage. Most of my great thoughts have come from standing outside Marks and Spencer's on long shopping trips because I don't (laughs) want to walk around the things. But here's one of the good things I've learned. And this is is good for married couples, but it's also good for people who are just having trouble with their friendships or whatever. Don't go to bed mad. Mm. 
sort it out before you go to bed. Because if you go to bed mad, you're going to wake up mad. But more than that, you'll have just spent eight hours dreaming about being mad and it'll be really ingrained by that point. You see, no matter what somebody's done to you, being angry about it isn't going to solve it. And that, that's really important for us to learn. You've got to, and that's not easy. But no matter what somebody's done, being angry about it isn't going to solve the problem. Because the problem isn't what they've done. The problem is the enemy who's using them to get to you. All he's doing is playing on their weaknesses, but he's using them to get to you. And you might be married to the person today that he's using to get to you at a particular moment. Or you might be best friends with that person that's using it to get to you. And anger isn't going to solve it. Because you can be angry with the enemy, but not the person. As far as the person's concerned, you trust God, you do good, and you help people. Now, I'm not saying people aren't responsible for what they do. You've got to understand that. People are responsible for how they respond to what the enemy puts in front of them. They are responsible for how they deal with their own flesh. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you, how you respond. Whether they're responsible or not for what they're doing, how you respond is what we're talking about here. Because if you don't respond in a way that is contrary to what the enemy is trying to produce, either because he's directly involved or through their flesh, then you're going to lose. It's going to cost you as well as them. But if we respond the way God wants us to respond, the enemy loses. And eventually, we pray that their flesh will change. But we're not the one that changes their flesh. Okay, you need to hear that. that was, and then you can share it. Okay, We are not the one that is responsible for somebody else's flesh. God is the one for, is responsible for changing other people's flesh. And he can only do that through the Holy Spirit. So why are you trying to do the Holy Spirit's job by redesigning somebody all on your own, out of your own anger and your own annoyance, when you can't do it anyway? God's the one that changes people. But what you don't want to go, do is get in the way of God changing people because you responded out of anger. You responded out of offence. You responded out of bitterness. And now you're getting in the way of God changing the person that you want to get changed. Are we getting this? That's exciting. When you realise that, that's exciting. Because a lot of us try, we spend a lot of our time sat at our desk at work fixing other people or telling telling somebody that we're sat opposite how we should fix that person over there. And you do it just loud enough so they can hear you. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Verse 27. Do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin. So 
the person who's responsible, the person who's doing the things, the person who's dealing with things out of their flesh and reacting and they're offended, they're bitter, they're upset, they're angry, they're, they're just deliberately horrible, they're knifing you in the back. That person is only one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is that your response to that determines whether or not you give the devil an opportunity to make a mess of you as well. And we want to win this battle, not let the battle overwhelm us and change us. We want to win it. Don't give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by what? Holding grudges, nurturing anger, harboring resentment, cultivating bitterness. They're kind of what happens inside us when we mind men and respond out of our flesh. And what we don't realise is it's serious because it gives the devil an opportunity to lead us into sin. It gives the opportunity to the enemy to mess up your church family or your life group or your own family at home because he's now got into you as well as the other person. You see, we win the battle by doing the opposite of what the enemy wants. Not rolling over and letting him do what he wants to do. And letting it produce in us something that we don't want. So we don't respond out of our flesh. We respond out of trusting God, doing good and helping other people. That's very different. That's the opposite to being angry, bitter, envious, holding grudges, and all the rest of it. And we have to recognise what the enemy's about here, don't we? So can you do it? Well, I'm going to just finish here. Go to with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Well, okay, well let's go back to 3. Though we walk in the flesh as ordinary men, we do not carry on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the same weapons as men do. The weapons of our welfare aren't physical weapons. They're not weapons of flesh and blood. They're not our anger. They're not our bitterness. They're not our holding grudges. They're not our envy. They're not our... Uh, kick back they're not I'll get one on over on you they're not revenge they're not physical weapons and nor are the weapons of flesh and blood our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of strongholds we are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God and we are taking every thought and every purpose captive and making it obedient to Christ. What's that telling you? Well, first off, it's telling you that you have an authority that will change things. But you've got to use that authority in the right way. 
So we don't respond out of our flesh, we respond out of our authority. And we recognize that the way we do this is we don't take on board the lies of the enemy that are contrary to what God says. So we don't take on board the lies of the enemy that say we'll never amount to anything, we're not good enough, you've made a real mess of that, that's going to affect you for life. You know, how many times has somebody said that? That'll affect you for life. Well, they never got over it. Well, don't be people who never get over it. He's not devouring you. People who aren't devoured get over it. They move on. They, 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 they let God be their vindicator and give them the victory. And, and it takes time, but when we have an understanding that we have authority over the schemes of the enemy and that we don't need to fear him because God is on our side. If God is for us, who can be against us? And even if people are lying about us, and even if people are pulling us down, in the end, God will vindicate us. So we trust God. And we use that authority to fight back against the enemy. And we say, I see what you're doing. I see how you're trying to steal from me. I see how you're trying to mess my marriage up. I see how you're trying to mess my friendship up. I see how you're trying to mess my kids up. I see what you've said to me. And I'm not believing you anymore. Because you're a liar and there's no truth in you. And I don't have to take on board what you said. And I don't have to take on board what that person said. Because you told them to say it. And you worked on their flesh. And I'm not taking on board. Because God said, I'm his child. And he loves me. And he believes in me. And he cares about me. And he's for me. And he's with me. And he's given me everything I need for life and godliness. And I'm going to use it. Because he ain't stealing from me. That's proper anger that isn't sin. I'll leave you with this thought. Because we've got several weeks to talk about this. But it's about time we stopped letting the enemy run our lives through other people. And it's about time we started trusting God, doing good and helping others, isn't it? Yeah. Amen. 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 Let's stand. You know, um, we're going to have battles, so we might as well know how to win them, mightn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Battles are an inevitable part of this life. Ups and downs are an inevitable part of this life. Crazy people who respond from their flesh and are motivated by the enemy, they're part of this life. So we might as well win instead of the losing that we've been doing. So he ain't coming after us anymore. We're going after him. Amen. 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 Amen.